The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to the Rod and Staff podcast. I am your host, Roger, along with my co-host, Jason. And on this episode, we're going to continue on in our series that we began a couple episodes ago on the topic of assurance and looking at the London Baptist Confession and how we understand assurance from that. Uh, But before we get into our topic of the day, I want to ask you your opinion on something. This is more of a a cultural update uh, type of opinion, but I'm going to read something to you first, and then I'll ask my question. I came across a a cartoonist take on uh, something in our culture on Sunday when I was reading the newspaper, Uh and this is what it said. It said, forget cancel culture. I think it's a sham. I do not like it, Uncle Sam I am, ignoring achievements in the name of the woke and cause more division with the fires they stoke. Take history out of context is now the new game, not looking for justice, just someone to blame. Today it's a book, so watch what you do. One day in the future, they may cancel you. Wow, nicely put. Yeah, I like that. So my question for you, as we think about our days is, so what was worse, canceling Dr. Seuss's books, a handful of them, or Mr. Potato Head? What do you think? Which is worse? That's First of all, it tells me if that if that's in a newspaper you're reading, that's really conservative to be in a newspaper. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you which newspaper you're reading, but it's definitely not the LA Times. Um or was it? Oh, I don't know. It's sister paper, but not, not the LA Times. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, which is worse? I, I think I'm going to have to say that Mr. Potato Head being canceled is worse for me. Not because I still play with a potato head toy or something. Okay. But because of just the, 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 the reality that they are going after uh, the gender of this toy, which by the way, there was a Mr. Potato Head and a Mrs. Potato Head. Mm-hmm. This was equal, my friend, equal. There was a great equality there, but no, they had to go after. And this is just, to me, it's vile. It's not uh, scientific. It's not rational. And it's a, it's offensive, but I don't think that offense is the standard we should live by, yes. but yeah, so I think that's worse. I don't know what, which one did you think is worse. I'm on the same page with you. All I have to say is, it's a potato. Seriously, we're attacking a potato <laughs> that, by nature, has no gender and <laughs> is not a person. So <laughs> I oh, could man. not handle it when I heard about that. It just—I mean, look, the, this Dr. Seuss stuff is is problematic too. Yeah. And not that. You know, they're, they're canceling what five or and it's not even, I, I don't know, five books or something like that, five yeah. or six books. Okay. But the, the reality is any of that censorship and the reasons they're using are so frustrating. Um, yeah. But that's for another episode of our podcast, I suppose. 
Definitely, and has no significance to our topic of the day, but something that just thought was pretty funny is going on right now. Uh, not really funny because it's kind of serious of how people are thinking today and the new rules that are made up and changed often that um, our culture is putting out there. Yep. Uh, but we want to get back into an important topic that we began a couple episodes again, talking about uh, assurance. And just before we get into the confession again, just wanted to maybe do a quick recap, talk about the importance of why are we addressing this topic today? Yeah, uh, a very important topic. And why is it important? Well, we, we talked about this over the last couple of episodes a lot of people are dealing with this. Uh, I think you and I have admitted that we've dealt with this personally, uh, this question at times uh, of our own salvation. Um, if if uh, somehow the fruit that we're bearing is is telling us a different story, if, we, if we're able to, to see salvation in our lives, so to speak, and the, the, the kind of doubt that comes over us and the darkness that brings with it, so we're not experiencing the joy of the Lord mm-hmm. or the peace of the Lord or the contentment of the Lord. And so this, this is a big, this is a big deal for the, the life of the Christian. Uh, you know, we, I think we covered the fact that we, we, we don't think it's um, well, you can struggle with this. We're going to get to it today uh, as well. You can struggle with this uh, if you are, even if you are saved, uh, but it, it, it robs you of, real joy and passion and peace mm-hmm. as a believer. And it turns your attention uh, inward instead of uh, outward where it ought to be. So yeah. these are some of the reasons I think that we talked about why, why it's so important to, to discuss this issue. Yeah, definitely a important pastoral question on how we address this, because even just thinking about the topic is going to cause uh, one to give an answer. Well, now what should you do that you're doubting, you're questioning, you're thinking through it? And that's an important question that could, you know, it depends on how we even understand the topic of assurance of what we're going to counsel people and how we're going to counsel them and encourage them, exhort them um, in the faith. So uh, we covered the first two uh, points in chapter 18 of the confession. And we're on the third one today. Um, Let me go ahead and read what it says. It's a little bit longer than the previous ones, and there's a lot to cover. Um, But let me read it in its entire context, and then we'll try to address uh, this as we go through it. It begins like this. This infallible assurance is not such an essential part of faith that is always fully experienced alongside faith. But true believers may wait a long time and struggle with many difficulties before obtaining it. Yet with the enabling of the spirit to know the things freely given to them by God, they may attain this assurance using ordinary means appropriately without any extraordinary revelation. Therefore, it is the duty of all to be as diligent as possible to make their calling and election sure. In this way, their hearts may be enlarged in peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, in love and thankfulness to God, and in strength and cheerfulness in the duties of obedience. These effects are the natural fruits of this assurance. 
Thus, it does not at all encourage believers to be negligent. I think one thing we talked about previously, and that's important, is making the distinction between uh, salvation and assurance. Um, and thinking through uh, how the confession is describing this experience of assurance. It's not talking about how to be saved. Right. It's talking about how do we experience salvation. And it begins, and we talked a little about this before, uh, with talking about how it's not an essential part of faith that's always experienced alongside faith, but believers may wait a long time to experience. What do you think about how they start off um, that, that statement on assurance here? I think that's important. I think it's comforting. Hmm. I think personally for me uh, and, and, you know, different people are, you know, everyone's a little bit different. And I think, uh, you know, different personalities can, can struggle with assurance in different ways too. And so if you've got someone who's, and I hate to use this language because I don't, I don't know the technical meaning of it, but someone who's obsessive, uh, right. Over thoughts, certain thoughts that are going through their minds, Uh if they come to a place where they're, they're kind of taught that if they don't have assurance, then they don't have true faith. Hmm then they are going to obsess over that thought. Am I, do I really, do I have assurance? Do I have assurance? Do I have assurance? If I don't, then I'm not a believer Then I'm not saved, you know? And yeah. uh, that, that creates a, a significant problem uh, for people pastorally. Uh, at the same time, I, I, I like that they're separating assurance from faith itself mm-hmm. because we talked about it. Maybe the last episode or the episode before the, the, in Mark nine, I believe help my unbelief. I feel like that's a state that often we're found in. Mm-hmm. We, we believe there's faith. We trust Christ. Um, but that assurance of our own trust, so mm-hmm. to speak, is, yeah. uh, is missing. And we need the Lord to work in us in order to have that increased assurance and faith. Mm-hmm. And there is one, there, there seems to be a sense within faith that you're confident in the work of Christ, that you're yes. confident in what his work accomplishes, that by trusting and believing in him, we can be forgiven of all of our sins, receive his righteousness, have a right standing with God, have eternal life with him. Amen. And that's an objective reality based on what he's done. So the foundation is based on what he's done. But then there's a subjective reality that is being experienced of this assurance uh, that seems to be, I think one theologian put it as a reflexive act of faith, mm. of how, how aware we are of that, that they're saying that you may struggle with it. It may ebb and flow. It may not, it may come in, and we're going to talk about it may go in a way of how they walk through uh, uh, understanding uh, assurance in our life. Yeah. I mean, in other words, it's not, we're not doubting Christ. Yeah. We're doubting ourselves. Yeah. Now, uh, now obviously there are implications there that if we're putting our hope in our own understanding, then somehow we are doubting what Christ has done. But, but I think that's the key point, right? We're not doubting Christ or his work or his effectiveness or that he's enough yeah. 
yes, we believe all those things yet we're wondering, is that really ours? Yeah. Right. Have I, have I obtained that? Is that really for me? You know, I, I've had people tell me that they believe that um, they believe in election. They believe that scripture teaches election. They just believe they're not elect. Interesting. Isn't that fascinating. Yeah. It's so, interesting. Um, have you yes. ever asked a follow-up question of why not? Oh yeah. There's some interesting responses. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that's a whole different show, but it, what a fascinating yeah. thought. I, I believe in election, which means they believe that their eyes are open to the reality yeah. that they're sinners in need of a savior, et cetera, all those things. And that Christ is the savior, but he's just not their savior. That's interesting. And, and then the next statement that they make now talks about how the spirit is working inside of us and, and bringing us or enabling us. They say, yet with the enabling of the spirit to know the things freely given to them by God, they may obtain this assurance. And it's not by this extraordinary revelation, which I think they're getting at is it's not this experience like Paul had on the Damascus road where the Lord met him and he knew the Lord and repented and believed. We, we don't necessarily have that experience, but the spirit is working inside by ordinary means. Yeah. We, we should talk about those ordinary means yes. in, a, in a moment here, but <laughs> you, don't, you don't think this is referring to a burning in the bosom uh, that, some have talked about no, no, probably um, not, probably not, <laughs> probably not. Uh, but uh, it is a fascinating statement, right? This enabling of the spirit mm -hmm. to know the things freely given to them by God, and I love how the spirit is being connected to our knowledge yeah. of the promises of God. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the spirit opens our eyes to see to know what we could otherwise not we, we couldn't know otherwise right um what christ is done it doesn't the lord to jesus say i think it's in in the farewell discourse in in john somewhere between 14 and 17 uh there he he talks about the spirit who's going to come to guide them in truth mm. right yeah. and he's going to remind them of the things that jesus taught them while he was living with them and i think this is similar to that the spirit helps us to know the grace that's been given to us. Yeah. And we know from other scriptures that the spirit is one that convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The spirit is the one first Corinthians that opens our eyes to understand the word of God, not just as studying and as literature, but understanding that this is divine and gives us wisdom that comes from him so that we're not uh, foolish thinking it's just man's words. That's the spirit working inside of us, uh, giving and, that enablement. And just like they said in the, the in paragraph two of, of this chapter 18, this idea of the testimony of the spirit of adoption, the spirit, yeah. you know, witnesses to our spirit or with our spirit that we are children of God. We can cry out by the spirit, Abba, Father, all these things we talked about last time. Um, so, but I want to focus in a little bit here on this idea of, ordinary means mm -hmm. um, what, what do you think they mean by ordinary means i would think that they're talking about the ordinary means of uh in a couple of ways i would think that the one major one is the word of god mm -hmm. the word of god uh, is what's true what we know can be true it's the objective source of truth 
I think that it is an ordinary means that the spirit lives inside of us that does uh, speak to our spirit and cry out, Abba, Father, as, as he said. So the spirit is working inside of us. I think that um, even in our fellowship with one another, um, that that could be an ordinary means where we're learning and growing with one another and we're uh, seeking the Lord uh, together as a body. It's not just individuals, but we're, we're put into a body when we're saved, uh, a yeah. local body, universal body of Christ. Yeah. But I though there are a couple, are there any that come to yeah. mind? I think those are right on point. I think that they're talking about the means that the Lord has given to us in the church. So I think the sacraments, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Baptism, the Lord's supper regularly that we take, we partake of. I think these are means that direct our attention to Christ and remind us of who he is, what he's done, get our eyes off of ourselves. I think that just the gathering of saints for worship, the preaching mm -hmm. of the word, you know, why is it throughout scripture? It's so important that we're all together with the body. Why is it that it's not this lone ranger Christianity? Well, the church plays such a vital role in all of these things. Now, not as a, we're not talking in the kind of the Roman Catholic way that it's the means of grace. And, you know, uh, so we would think it's a means of grace. I shouldn't say that way, but like that they're the ones that are giving us grace. Uh, but there is a role for the church in our, even in our assurance because every time we go and hear the preaching of the gospel, yeah. every time we uh, sing songs and hymns and spiritual, you know, uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, we're reminding each other. Um, someone was just mentioned, I was listening to another podcast and, and I really want to bring this back to our church because he was saying that he starts their worship service out with confession of sin and absolution mm. or, or pardon offered. Yeah. So they come, they gather as broken, weak, weary mm -hmm. people, Yeah, you know, and they admit it, they confess, and then they hear from the word of God that they're forgiven in Christ. Yep. And now they want to worship, right? I, I like that. And the church offers that church worship offers that. Yeah. We come from a whole week of being beat up with the, the trials of life, the temptations of our hearts and all yep. those things. And we come to church and we're, we're coming for refreshment for our soul to be encouraged. And I, and I like that's yeah. a good way to start off the service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing the confession does here is it seems to take a turn and now puts a little bit of a focus on, on, man and how we see assurance. I don't know if the right term is obtaining assurance or pursuing assurance, but one scripture they reference that I think is important is Hebrews 6, 11 through 12, where they say, or where the scriptures say, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Yeah. Amen. They make the statement that it's our duty to be all, or to be as diligent as possible to make our calling and election sure. And then they talk about how our hearts may be enlarged in peace um, in the Holy spirit with love and thankfulness to God and strength and cheerfulness and obedience. Mm -hmm. So they're talking now about man's role. Mm -hmm. I can say in, in our own experience 
of assurance, maybe describing what could what could encourage assurance or discourage. And the next point, we'll definitely talk about that. But there's a role that we play, uh, even even in uh, experience our own assurance, right? How, how do you see this playing out uh, when they're talking about to, it's our duty, you know, it's something yeah. we're called to do. Yeah, this was an interesting point, you know, that I, as I was reading it and thinking about it, you know, what what is this pursuit? What is this duty? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to make their calling an election sure? Um, to be diligent in that, and and the the passage that you pointed out, I think is is helpful, um, because there is a pursuit here. There is a pursuit. Um, the question is, what what are we pursuing? Mm-hmm. And I I think well, I like that. I think that the issue is we're not to we're not pursuing uh, more work or or fruit like fruit of good works that are going to say oh see i I have enough Uh, now i can be sure i think you got to go to the root right we're going to go to the the heart of the issue the pursuit is knowing the the grace and goodness of god where our salvation comes from to be confident that we are forgiven to be confident that we we've been cleansed by the blood of jesus and then to live out of that cleansing, that that good conscience or pure conscience that I think the author of Hebrews talks about too, because we know who our Savior is and where our forgiveness comes from. And when we're assured of that, that it's not our own works, that we can't earn it, but Christ has done it all, but he's also changed us and, and enables us now to live for his glory. Now we can do it. Now we can move forward. Um yeah, I like how you put that, because it's not the pursuit of fruit. We're not pursuing fruit or more works. We're, we're pursuing more love for Christ, yes. more I want to please my Savior. I want to serve him. I want to know him more. And out of the abundance of that, come everything else. As we're intentionally pursuing the Lord, that is what's born out of our life. There's fruit that comes from that pursuit of him. That's intentional that yes. we have to do. And God doesn't do that for us. We have to be intentionally pursuing the Lord daily. It's not the once a week we come and hear the gospel and that's it. No, if, if we want to grow in that experience, it's going to be partly on us. I mean, we're not assuring ourselves, but it's part, it's, on us intentionally doing that it's 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 out of love for him well i I would say so we're always we always want to get this we're always trying to be careful to get the language and wording right and so this is this is hard right so yes we are pursuing this i do think he's working in us to pursue it as well right Mm -hmm. um so you've got both these things and i don't mind leaving it in that tension that that Yes, there's a call for us to pursue. And at the same time, it's actually him who even gives us the desire to pursue. Yeah. Uh, as he tells, as Paul tells us in, in, in Philippians. But but you're right, there is this this action on our part, this activity. And it's not activity as in again, that work that we're doing, it's it's pursuing Christ. Yeah. Um, this magnifying Christ. I use that language sometimes, it's magnifying or or seeing a magnified Christ that the natural response to when you see how glorious, how gracious, how kind 
-hmm. how forgiving, you know, have you ever experienced that where, when someone, uh, you, you know, you've hurt somehow, maybe it's your wife or something and they have such a big heart to forgive you. You just, you kind of, I don't want to say you cower to that, but you, you immediately are kind of, you melt before that and yeah. you want to honor that. Um, I, I feel that way with, with the Lord, the more we know of his grace, the more we want to pursue him and honor him. I mean, it's another topic, but, but when we talked about the goodness of God and how we understand his goodness, that is going to affect how we pursue him. And if we want to pursue him, if we see him as this capricious judge and not a loving God yeah. who has shown us his love in Christ, it's going to affect us. And I think that there is that the heart motivations, what's coming out of our hearts. If it's a duty and I have to do this, that duty is starting on the wrong spot. It should be, I want to, as a response, we're responding to what he's already done. We love because he first loved us. It's a natural Amen. outflow of our heart. Not that it's consistent all the time or it's on the same level of passion, but I, I like how they say, I'm not sure if it's in here, but the seed is always there. It's, it's being nurtured. It, it, it springs up. And I think one of the helpful things we've talked about is that that rhythm of indicatives and imperatives that we see in scripture yeah. the indicatives giving the fuel giving um, the motivations for the imperatives and they reference just to read real quick titus 2 mm -hmm. uh, titus 2 11 through 12 and then i'll read verse 14 it says for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives, godly lives in the present age. Mm -hmm. Verse 14, Amen. who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. There's, there's these indicatives of who we are in him, what he's done for us, and we respond yeah. that way. It's a natural outflowing yeah. of a heart that knows what the savior has done. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the authors of the confession put that in, if you notice mm -hmm. that sentence there, it says in this way, their hearts may be enlarged in peace and joy in the Holy spirit yeah. in love and thankfulness to God mm -hmm. and in strength and cheerfulness and the duties of obedience. So the, the, we pursue this, this, uh, you know, assurance of our, our salvation, this, we make the calling and election sure, I think by looking at Christ, being grateful that then pushes us to this duty of obedience that you just, you know, looked at in Titus too, that yeah. you know, basically we're, we get that this grace has come and it's that grace that then transforms and, and purifies us to live for him and to stop living like the world. Yeah. It's a grace motivated obedience. Yeah that then brings a sense or experience of assurance alongside with it. So in a sense, if we were to, if, if we think by making our election and calling sure that we're trying to produce our own fruit, mm -hmm. we're going to be miserable. Oh yeah. What we're pursuing is Christ who will enable us to produce, to, 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 he will produce in us mm -hmm. gospel fruit. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's a guarantee of the spirit. When the spirit's working inside of our hearts, that's his work that he's doing. That's why it's the fruit of yes. the spirit in Galatians chapter five. It's one fruit expressed in many different ways of, of I think it's the nine that, that we see starting with love and that's the spirit working inside of us. So it's all of his work in a sense that brings us from salvation to the work, which then breathes assurance and it's all his working inside of our hearts. And then this, this, what they're saying in the, in the confession is interesting. Then the assurance. So you're, you're pursuing Christ for your assurance. Who's then transforming you. This assurance gives you even renewed uh, desire to live for him and, and bear fruit for him. And it says, you know, these are effects. Uh, these effects are the natural fruits of this assurance. Um, it doesn't encourage negligence. Instead, it, it encourages kind of passionate living for Christ. Yeah. That's... Why do you think they put that in there at, at the end there that, that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't encourage negligence or, or believers to be negligent? I think, having a right view of God's love will prevent us from being negligent rather than having a, uh, I don't want to say strong view of the law, but maybe a wrong view of the law where the law is just held over your head as you need to obey. It is your duty to do all of these. Don't be negligent in your faith pursuit Christ it's it's this is the natural outworking to be yeah. encouraged that he's working inside of you not for you're trying to obtain something from him the foundation's already there yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't cause you to now just say it doesn't matter I don't want to serve him no you respond if you know such a savior why would you want to respond I would say this I'm rambling. It's, it's okay. a wrong, it's a wrong view of grace. If you think that it doesn't matter, you don't yeah. quite grasp what the grace of God has done and yeah. what it continues to do in your life. If you think that your obedience that comes out of your heart does not matter in your life, which is yeah. becoming licentious or just saying the law doesn't matter. We, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the fear of those who don't want us to have assurance, right? Yeah. The, the, the fear, the fear is if you have assurance of your salvation, that you'll get lazy and you won't live out this Christian life and that you'll just, uh, you'll have this um, kind of arrogant attitude or something like that, you know, you'll become licentious and because you're sure that you're saved and that's all there's to it. And, and the authors here are saying, no, like you've said, that's a completely raw, completely mis misunderstood way of looking at or, or misunderstanding of what grace really does in someone's life. In fact, it, it transforms us to want out of gratitude to serve yep. this Lord who's done all these things for us. We would not be negative. Like you said, the, the law can get us to do things to a certain extent. Okay. It can't yeah. change our hearts mm -hmm. and it can't allow us. It doesn't allow us to do what we do with joy and passion, which is exactly what grace does. And if you think of even the historical context of where this came out of during the reformation, you were dealing with the Catholic church 
And one of the primary beliefs is they do not give assurance. There is no assurance. And part of that is a way uh, to control behavior in a sense that there's a fear of you can't fully know your rights. They have a wrong view of, of, of the gospel, but there's this sense of control that people can't have this security of knowing and so they are they don't give you assurance you just don't know you know if a person is truly going to heaven and then you have all these other beliefs um, connected whole nother conversation this is a good topic for us to think through and keep talking about and we're going to continue on in the next episode looking at the last point in this chapter which i think is going to help us look at another angle of assurance and this is what happens when that assurance ebbs and flows in our lives what causes that what what happens so that's a little sneak preview of coming back uh, next time we hope you enjoyed this episode if you have questions or comments please send us an email Uh, you can comment we have a facebook page up now to post our sermons and reach out to us we'd love to hear from you and we hope that you will join us next time if you enjoyed this episode of the rod and staff podcast please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.